Hello everyone and welcome to episode 2 of the BS Book Club. I am of course am your host Bartleby Jones, the author of this this epic adventure and you are in for a treat today as we are going through chapters 6 through 10. Of course, a lot of questions from last week's episode. What is with this mysterious bag? It is empty and suddenly you can pull things out of it. What was that weird cat bunny rabbit thing with the wings that was on the news? Uh, why was that man making wine appear out of nowhere? Lots of questions and many answers to come along with many more questions in this week's episode of the BS Book Club. Chapter 6. Blackout. The quiet vibration of Blake Tanner's phone against his bedside table sounded like gunfire to the hungover hero. He jumps up from the comatose state that only a night of heavy drinking could lead to. He looks over at his phone and groans, picking it up. The bright screen causes Blake's head to throb as he finds a string of texts from Scotty. Blake! Blake, what are you doing? Blake, I need you to get over here right now. It's urgent. Blake groans and replies back. Be there in a second, buddy. Minutes later, Blake arrives at Scotty's doorstep, holding his head in his hands. Scotty smiles and stands. He had a look on his face that was very familiar to Blake Tanner. It was the face he made right before they were about to get into some serious shit. Hey, catch! Scotty calls to his friend, and suddenly Blake sees something quickly flying at his face. It splats against his chest as he struggles to catch the remnants of the greasy concoction covering his body. He looks down to discover a paper wrapper containing something familiar. Taco Bell? Blake asks, unwrapping the burrito. He walks over to Scotty, slightly perturbed, despite immediately biting into the spicy treat. That's what you called me for? Not just any Taco Bell. Scotty smiles, pulling out a burrito of his own. That, my friend, is a beefy crunch burrito. Layers of cheese, meat, and the kicker, a flaming hot Fritos. I mean, it's good, Blake comments, taking another bite. But it's just a burrito. Oh no, Blake Tanner, it is so much more than that. You see, this burrito represents the next big step for the B.S. Scotty stands, proudly holding his burrito high. For you see, this burrito hasn't existed for years, Blake. People have thought this burrito to be dead, gone. Even the flaming hot Fritos are nigh impossible to obtain. Which brings me to why I brought you here. Scotty rushes into the other room as Blake sighs, having heard this speech from Scotty a million times before. Scotty eventually returns, sporting a familiar purse. Is that that girl's purse? Wait, did you steal a woman's purse? Blake looks up in shock at his friend. Well, firstly... Yeah, I kind of stole the purse. Scotty sheepishly admits. But that's because this isn't just a purse, Blake. Watch! Scotty begins pulling out dozens of beefy crunch burritos from within the purse. Blake merely looks on like a skeptic watching a magic routine. 
Scotty finally sighs and reaches deep into the bag, pulling out a massive burrito nearly five feet long. Blake's eyes grow wide. So, you found a magic burrito bag? Blake exclaims, staring at the massive five-foot burrito that Scotty has to wrestle to the floor lest he be crushed under its meaty goodness. No, it's so much more than that. Scotty grabs the bag and reaches in again, pulling out multitudes of discontinued foods, ecto-cooler, poppin' pebbles, at least 25 McRibs. Scotty continues to dig in, pulling out childhood toys and old VHS tapes. Blake, don't you see? Scotty laughs, standing in a pile of ancient fast food and land-before-time VHSs. Anything we can imagine. It's here, within our fingertips. We have everything we could ever want. Anything? Blake comments happily. There's no restrictions or, or limits or anything? Well, now that you mention it. Scotty comments solemnly as the pile of food around him slowly disappears and blows away like dust. The various toys all fall to the same fate. Even Blake's stomach feels slightly more empty as that burrito fades away. It seems like it only lasts for a short time. I mean, certain things would probably stick around forever. Scotty smiles, leaning down and picking up an unharmed copy of a goofy movie on VHS, his favorite childhood film. Some things disappear. I don't know if this thing is based around my memory or imagination or what, but I think if I just train up my mind, if I learn to focus on these things, I can use this bag for way more than a fast food time machine. Scotty turns to Blake. I think this bag is an opportunity. An opportunity to help people. We could be superheroes. Superheroes? Blake asks, raising an eyebrow. All I have to do is imagine an Iron Man gauntlet, and then boom, I'm Iron Man. Scotty reaches into the bag and pulls out a metallic red gauntlet and smirks at Blake. You see? I'm waiting. Blake stares as Scotty straps the device to his wrist and runs outside ready to fight crime. Ah, damn it. What are you doing? Blake calls out to Scotty, who's aiming his palm to the air, bracing his body for the impact of an epic energy blast. As Blake walks closer and closer, he hears the gauntlet charging and stares in shock. Wow, that thing actually works. You're damn right it does. Scotty smirks, then turns and fires to the sky. And two small foam darts come shooting from the gauntlet's wrist. Scotty looks at the darts confused and then disappointed. Blake stifles a laugh as Scotty picks up the darts in a huff and begins to walk back inside. Hey, do you have any silly string in there? Blake finally comments. I really want to be Spider-Man. Fuck off, Scotty responds, firing two more darts at Blake's face. I just feel like your problem is Iron Man isn't real. Blake offers up actual advice, attempting to understand the bag's magical properties. I mean, Beefy Crunch Burritos, Acto Cooler, Mr. T Cereal, that was all real. So you could pull it out no problem. Maybe it's only for real thi- Fuck. Scotty comments, staring up at his apartment, placing an arm against Blake's chest. What is it? Blake asks, staring up with Scotty to discover a large man barreling up the stairs, a man Scotty remembers from the night before as Phil. So, you know how I said that I might have stole this bag? 
Scotty asks, not taking his eyes away from the beast, stomping towards his apartment door, fearful that any sudden movement might alert him to their position. Yeah? You see that big motherfucker in the plaid shirt? Yeah? I don't think he likes that I stole it. So, next course of action is... Blake asks, looking to Scotty, who quietly places the bag over his shoulder. Scotty looks over to Blake with a sigh. Run. Chapter 7. Get Out. The boys attempt to sneak towards Scotty's car as Phil bangs his large fist against Scotty's door, nearly busting it off of its hinges. Scotty struggles to pull his keys out of his pocket, trying with all of his might to prevent them from jingling. Blake's breath grows heavy as the beast of a man finally slams both hands into the door, sending it flying off of its frame and into Scotty's apartment. Oh, fuck! Scotty exclaims in fear as Phil shows his true strength. Unfortunately, this noise was enough to alert the monster to their presence. He turns towards them, sneering. Scotty lets out a high-pitched scream and rips the keys out of his pocket, no longer worried about them jingling. Scotty, hurry up! Blake urges as Scotty struggles with his keys. He looks up to see the brick wall of a man stomping down the stairs, the earth quaking with every step. Finally, Scotty manages to unlock the car and the two quickly enter, tossing the offending bag into the back seat. As Phil reaches the bottom step, he stares at the boys and holds his fingers to his lips, letting out a loud whistle. Blake's eyes grow wide as a massive pickup truck comes barreling over the linked fence gating in the parking lot. It comes to rest in front of Phil, who slowly steps inside with a wicked smile. Scotty, Blake calls to his friend. He's got a magic car. Are we talking more Knight Rider or Christine here? We're talking get the fuck out of here! And with that, Scotty quickly tosses the car into reverse, pulling out of his spot. He shifts into drive as Phil's truck revs up, making a beeline for them. Scotty quickly shifts into drive and bolts into the street, narrowly avoiding getting hit by an oncoming car. They fly down the street, weaving between traffic, but Phil remained close behind. His truck strikes Scotty's bumper, jostling the two forward. Scotty's foot presses harder into the accelerator, his knuckles turning white as they grip the steering wheel. He checks the rear view to discover Phil backing away. We're losing him, Scotty remarks with a sigh, when suddenly, with a violent burst of speed, Phil's truck launches itself like a cannonball into their bumper once again. Fuck! Hand me the fucking bag! Why can't I use it? Blake asks, reaching into the back for the magical red bag and handing it to Scotty. You don't know what it's capable of yet. You have to be trained like I am. Scotty begins steering with his knees as he opens the bag and reaches inside. Scotty, you got that bag ten hours ago. Blake grabs the steering wheel as Scotty nearly runs the two off the road, distracted with the bag. You aren't trained in shit. Oh, really? Scotty smirks, pulling his hand out of the bag. He looks Blake in the eyes confidently. Then how exactly did I get this? Scotty, that's... Blake sighs. That's a water gun. What? Scotty looks over to discover a tiny novelty pistol filled with liquid. Damn it, I was trying to get a real one. Hold on. Really? Blake once again grabs the wheel as Scotty continues to dig. Train my ass. Aha! 
Scotty declares happily. He removes his hand from the bag to reveal a large Nerf cannon. Damn it! Uh, hold on. Do you even know what a gun looks like? Blake continues to steer as Scotty tosses his failed attempts into his lap. That's a cap gun, paintball gun, airsoft, and that's... That's just a pile of spaghetti. Shit, just... Scotty tosses the bag into the back again, frustrated. Just toss the damn spaghetti at him. You got it, bud. And with a quick move, Blake leans out of the window, limp spaghetti in hand. Phil stares at him, confused. Blake smirks and offers a quick flip of the middle finger and tosses the spaghetti towards the window of Phil's truck. Splat! The Alfredo-covered noodles cover the windshield of the vehicle, causing Phil to swerve manically, attempting to turn on his windshield wipers. When the noodles are finally wiped away, however, Phil discovers a fate much worse. A fast-approaching car. Scotty offers Blake a high-five as they hear the sound of the collision behind them. Really? Blake stares at Scotty's palm with a raised eyebrow. The car is ruined. We were almost killed, and my hand is covered in Alfredo. This is not a high-five moment. Is it at least good Alfredo? Scotty asks sheepishly. Blake rolls his eyes and leans against the window, then quietly tastes a bit of the Alfredo on his finger. It's all right. Meanwhile, miles behind the BS, a man is angrily screaming to the skies. The same man that just crashed headfirst into Phil's truck. The same man that is currently making the last and biggest mistake of his life. What are you, dumb or something? Yo, that was a Ferrari, you jackass! The guy yells, red-faced. Phil merely stands there, arms crossed. He continues to berate the monstrous man for minutes as cars quickly whip past them. So, you done? Phil asks, causing the man to stare dumbfounded, shocked that Phil would even reply. He begins to walk back for a reply when Phil stops him, putting his hand against his head. Phil's monstrous paw nearly engulfs the man's face. You see, I'm not a man who gets angry. Because I don't have to. Phil smiles at the man who is now shivering under the beast's might. Anger is reserved for those below me. Anger is reserved for the petty. You know, anger is reserved for those who refuse to dream bigger. And me? I'm a dreamer. When's the last time you had a dream? Uh, I, I don't... The man gulps, sweat pouring off of his brow. Look, what do you want, man? I just want two things. Phil's tone wasn't sinister or terrifying. It was simple. To Phil, this was just a conversation between two men. Phil was a pleasant soul. I want my family back. And I want to know the last time you had a dream. I, I, I can't remember. The man blurts out in a shrill reply. Phil looks at him with a smile as his hand begins to tighten around the frightened man's skull. He feels the pressure growing and growing, cracks forming in his skull as Phil refuses to release. I didn't think so. Splat. Chapter 8. Runaway. Where are we going? 
Blake asks nervously as Scotty digs into his pocket for his cell phone. My parents' house, hopefully. Scotty replies, quickly dialing the number of his father. Well, howdy, son! The chipper voice of Scotty's father rings across the phone speaker. He has a pleasant southern accent that continued to speak as Scotty placed him on speakerphone. How's it going? Not the best, Dad, Scotty nervously replies. On the run from some pretty nasty guys and need a place to hold out for a while. Heading down I-20 now. What kind of nasty guys? As he replies, Scotty's father's eyes lock with his television, displaying a news story about a corpse found on the interstate, its head crushed and thrown to the side of the road. I don't know, Dad. Just bad guys. Bad guys who are coming for me and Blake. Scotty cries as his dad continues to watch the news story featuring a police sketch of Phil as the main culprit. The kind of bad guys that could cave someone's head in with their bare hands? This comment causes Scotty's eyebrow to raise as Blake pulls out his phone, looking up the same news story decorating the Moore family television right now. I'll take that silence as a yes. Look, don't come here, it's too obvious. Scotty's father's voice suddenly dropped all pleasantries and took on a deathly serious tone. Head to Salvation Motorhomes, it's off Mahaffey Street. Stop at the last trailer on the left. Dad, what the hell are you talking about? Don't talk, just listen. His voice continued as Blake quickly searches for the location of Salvation Motorhomes in his GPS. When you park, cover the car in shrubs and head up to the door. When you get there, you'll find a keypad. Enter 31216, and it should let you in. 31216? Scotty quickly repeats for Blake to jot down. Okay, Dad. Thanks. I ain't done. When you get inside, I only got three rules. Don't leave until I tell you to. Don't answer the door even if you know the person outside. And don't drink my moonshine. And with a click, the voice of Scotty's father disappeared from the phone. The two sigh as they travel down the interstate. Blake's phone delivers navigation tips as Scotty sighs thinking about the bag in the back seat. Part of him wishes that he never took that bag in the first place. Note from the BS. Okay. In all honesty, never really regretted taking the bag. I mean, the whole we got a guy's head crushed thing, it kind of sucks. But otherwise, you know, things haven't been too bad. I mean, I'd kill a guy for unlimited burritos, so... Eventually, the two reach their destination, Salvation Motorhomes. They pass trailers with busted windows and several broken-down cars on their way to the last trailer on the left. The whole time, Scotty's mind was playing on a loop the numbers 31216. Are you sure this is the right place? Scotty asks as Blake looks down at his phone, ensuring that the GPS had indeed taken them to the right location. Everything looks right. Blake says with a doubt in his voice. The two exit the car and begin to cover up the car with leaves. Scotty sighs as the barbs on the greenery leave scratches all over the paint of his car. Blake doesn't really care about the paint job, given that they crashed it into a parking meter not 24 hours prior. 31216. 31216. Scotty continues to repeat to himself as they walk up the broken steps to the trailer. A small gray box on the side of the door contains the keypad that Scotty had been repeating the code for, mantra-like. Three, one, 
2-1-6. As Scotty enters those numbers, a small green light shines above the door and a small click is heard. The two slowly open the door to discover an ordinary trailer. They enter with a sigh, closing the door behind them. I don't know what I was expecting, Blake offers up, sitting on the couch, tossing the bag on a nearby table. I mean, he really built this place up like a safe house, but it's just a normal trailer. You say that, Scotty remarks with a smirk. He knows his father. But I've got an idea. He said don't drink his moonshine, right? Yeah, and? My dad doesn't drink! That had to have been some kind of code! Scotty flings open the liquor cabinet to discover a bottle of Tennessee moonshine sitting in the very middle of the shelf. I'll bet the moonshine is secretly a lever, a lever to some secret base! Oh shit, you're right! Blake laughs, jumping off of the couch and joining Scotty who slowly wraps his hand around the bottle and pulls back, taking the jar of moonshine out of the cabinet. The two stare at the bottle, disappointed. Maybe he just didn't want you to drink his moonshine. Blake sighs, walking back to the couch as Scotty opens the bottle, following him. Yeah, well, I think I deserve a drink. Scotty comments, pulling a glass out of the bag and filling it with the hundred-proof liquor. The two sit, unsure of how to proceed next. What do we do now? We wait, I guess. Blake comments with a sigh as Scotty passes him the bottle of moonshine and a fresh glass from within the bag. Eh, not a bad way to pass the time. Wait a minute, Scotty says with a smirk after his fourth glass. I've got an idea. He grabs the bag and heads over to the kitchen table and begins wildly pulling things out and assembling them on the table. Blake takes another swig of moonshine and stands, stumbling over to Scotty who continues to put the finishing touches on his masterpiece. Blake Tanner! Scotty slurs, turning to reveal a laptop with two microphones hooked up and headphones resting beside them. In these brief, drunken moments, Scotty managed to scramble together a perfect podcasting setup. He offers one of the microphones to Blake with a smile. It's time! Chapter 9 Ladies and Gentlemen So, Blake Tanner! Scotty laughs into the microphone. It's been a week, buddy. Scotty, it hasn't even been a week. We recorded the last episode yesterday, Blake says, breaking out in laughter with his friend. We've had the most fucked up Justin Long day ever. And it's not even over yet, Scotty adds. We're still in the middle of it. Okay, okay, let's let's just catch the people up, shall we? Well, I guess it should be said that this is being recorded from an undisclosed location in the boonies of Alabama, as we are currently being hunted by a monster among men. Blake takes a swig of moonshine. You see, Scotty here thought it'd be a good idea to steal some girl's purse, and since the... It's not a purse, it's a satchel. Scotty responds, reaching over the table and grabbing said bag. And what you forgot to mention is that it's kind of freaking magical. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, let me tell you. I want tacos. I opened this bag and I got tacos. I want pizza. I opened this bag and I got pizza. Hell, this entire podcast is being recorded on a computer from within the bag. I'm really proud that he realized he could get something other than food from in there. Blake comments. 
Seriously, the floor was covered in cereal at one point. You know, now that I think about it, I don't think you ever told me how you even got that thing. Okay, it's a bit of a story. Scotty pours himself another glass of moonshine, readying himself to tell the tale. So, I'm sitting there, holding a condom. As you do, Blake sarcastically replies. It was from the bag, Scotty snaps back. The girl told me to imagine what I needed most, and that's what I pulled out. Scotty Moore, the most confident motherfucker, ladies and gentlemen. I had a shot, Scotty replies, finishing his glass of shine. Anyways, we sit down, and she introduces me to everyone in the room and finally lands on this guy named Phil, a.k.a. the big bitch that's forced us into this bunker. And that's when she drops the bomb, Blake Tanner, and the bomb is that Phil made this bag. Phil makes purses? Blake nearly spits out his drink at this revelation. I, I mean, firstly, he has to be some sort of magical wizard to create this thing, but secondly, that big bearded bastard makes purses? That's what I said, Scotty replies. And he just started mumbling about dreams or something. I mean, he was pretty gone at that point, but I just couldn't let that bag go. It was infinite possibilities, infinite moments of creation. That bag was our ticket to victory. Which is why you immediately used it to create a mini Taco Bell in your own home. Blake stopped Scotty from getting too overexcited. I mean, after all, this stuff does disappear after a while. Does it? Scotty pours another glass of moonshine into the glass that he pulled from the bag a few minutes prior. These things are starting to seem pretty sturdy. I guess my power is getting stronger. It's not a power, Scotty. You're not Spider-Man. Blake quickly douses Scotty's excitement again. Well, something's going down with his bag. Scotty tosses another drink back, examining the nearly empty bottle. That's why I knew I had to have it. And I had the perfect opportunity, too. We were all sitting around drinking when suddenly this bright flash shoots through the doorway. A bright light? Blake asks, remembering his hallucination he thought he saw. His eyebrows furrow as he remembers seeing Ethan's body burn into a bright white light blinding him. Yeah, an instant pandemonium! Scotty laughs. Everybody ran out at once. There was chaos, screaming, and a perfect distraction for me to sneak out, magic bag in hand. Did you see anything else? Blake asks, curious as to what happened to Ethan's body. It looked like the bartender was getting into a fight with... something. I don't know what it was. I was busy getting the fuck out of there, to be honest with you. Hmm. Blake sits back, pensive. But you know what I'm not busy to get the fuck out of, Blake Tanner? Scotty asks with a smirk. Patreon.com slash a load of BS. That's right, ladies and gentlemen. Patreon.com. As Scotty continues his plug for their official Patreon page, Blake empties the bottle of moonshine into his glass. If Ethan had that sort of power, who knows what kind of beast they're dealing with here? What if all of them had powers like that? What if Phil had power like that? Uh, Blake? Scotty asks, snapping his fingers at his friend. Where you at, buddy? Kind of doing a podcast here. Uh, sorry about that. Blake clears his throat, attempting to hide his fear. So, <clears throat> you said this bag's your superpower, right? So, what's your superhero name? Oh, shit, I haven't even thought about that! Scotty laughs as Blake sighs. Uh, Bagman. 
The man with the iron sack! Scotty continues to riff about his superhero persona as Blake continues to banter, still fearing what awaited them. He knows that Phil will eventually find them, he just doesn't know what'll happen next. As the podcast draws to an end, Blake slinks away to the couch to attempt to nap. Scotty sighs, finishing up a few bits of audio work, reaching for the bottle of moonshine. He upturns the bottle, attempting to pour himself a glass, but finds only a few drops of liquor left. He sighs and looks towards the couch where Blake sleeps like a baby. Damn it, Blake. Scotty sighs, placing the bottle back on the table. When suddenly he notices something. At the base of the bottle was a label, printed with such fine print that it was nigh impossible to read. Scotty once again upturns the bottle and slowly peels that sticker away. Deactivate trailer protocol, the sticker read, drawing a confused look from Scotty. A combination of numbers run underneath it, similar to the code that his father had given him earlier in the day. Scotty smirks, drunkenly staggering outside to the trailer's pen pad. He looks down at the paper and inputs the code 61718. Six. Chapter 10. Shine On. Blake yawns as he turns onto his side, cuddling up to a couch pillow. Despite the fact that it was only 3pm, Blake had already had a very long day. He smiles as he feels his body drop into total relaxation. His body drifts away to sleep, giving our hero a much-deserved rest, when suddenly... Blake feels the entire couch tip forward, dumping him onto the ground. He quickly rolls away as the couch folds forward into the very floor itself, nearly crushing Blake between the couch and floor. He stands, panicked, as the entire room begins to shift and change. Meanwhile outside, Scotty casually checks his watch while waiting on the door to unlock, whistling a tune. Blake attempts to run towards the front door when the refrigerator collapses to the floor in front of him, causing him to jump backwards. Suddenly, the floor itself begins to shift, individual panels rotating from the trailer's grimy wooden floor to a sleek metallic look. The panels nearly eat Blake alive until he jumps onto the TV stand, saving himself. This is just a dream, Blake says in a panic, backing up onto the stand further, staring at the chaos around him. Suddenly, the TV stand begins to shoot up into the air, raising Blake high above the earth. Thinking quickly, he jumps down, landing on a small pillar that began to jut out from the ground. This had become the most intense game of The Floor is Lava ever. He continues to jump from pedestal to pedestal until his balance betrays him, sending him flying off of the pillar. Luckily, at the very last minute, a luxury couch comes up from the earth, catching our hero at the last minute. He sits up dizzy as two robotic hands come down and prepare him a martini. He grabs the martini, eyes wide, and then promptly collapses back onto the couch. Ding! A bell rings as the door unlocks. Scotty yawns and enters slowly, discovering a brand new interior to the dilapidated trailer. Metal cabinets now decorate the walls. Bright LEDs line the ceiling, perfectly illuminating every inch of the room. Scotty smiles widely as he enters to discover Blake asleep on the couch. Really, man? Scotty comments, sitting next to Blake. You slept through all of that? I bet it would have been awesome to see from the inside. Yeah. Sure, Blake groggily comments, sitting up. Scotty looks over to discover a robot scanning his retina. Now scanning. Retinal scan complete, the robot calls from a speaker above the couch. 
100% match. It quickly retracts into the ceiling as the couch suddenly begins to move around the room, shooting our heroes toward a wall. Oh god, not again. Blake puts his feet up on the couch, worried about what this demon room was going to do to him now. Greetings, son. An image is projected onto the wall in front of them, an image of Scotty's father. Scotty stares on in awe as robotic hands quickly shoot down and deliver the two heroes glasses of bourbon. I see you drank my moonshine. I knew you couldn't resist, you son of a bitch. Scotty's father smirked as his son looked on, confused. I guess I should explain where you are. And why you're there. Dude, is your dad a spy? Blake asks quietly. I don't think so. I always thought he... Scotty's eyes widen as he takes a sip of bourbon. You know, I don't actually think I know what he does for a living. This is what I do for a living, son. Scotty's father remarks, answering his son. I'm what they call a middleman. As was your grandfather. As was his father. And as you very well may be one day. I know I raised you to believe that there weren't any monsters under your bed or in the closet. He sighs, looking down. But that don't mean they don't exist. Believe me, son, the only reason there weren't any monsters under your bed is because they knew I was in the house. Dude, your dad is a badass! Blake laughs, finishing his glass of bourbon, only for another pair of robot hands to shoot down and immediately refill it. Ah, he's alright. Scotty smirks, turning back to the message from his father. You see, son, there are dark creatures in this world. And it's my responsibility to make sure what belongs above stay above and what belongs below stay below. And now that responsibility is yours as well. Suddenly, a pedestal shoots up in front of Scotty, featuring a glass box atop it. A red satin pillow sits inside it, holding a pin. The official pin of the middleman. Scotty stares in awe, slowly taking the pin out of its case and placing it on his lapel. Good luck, my son. Scott salutes as Scotty smiles up at the screen. Let it be known, being a middleman ain't an easy job. You're going to disappear for weeks at a time, nearly dying, and no one is going to salute you for your effort. You're going to be this world's savior, and no one will know your name. Being a middleman means absolute discretion. No one can know about this. Um, Scotty slowly looks over to Blake. I mean, Blake can know, right? I mean, he's kind of right here. What? Scotty's father freezes in place, unsure of how to respond. Damn it, I knew we should have put cameras in there. Okay, let me think about this. I mean, I can keep a secret. Blake quickly comments. You don't have to worry about me. Eh, that's, that's not something we can accept here. He responds grimly. You don't know the lengths people will go to in order to find out what's going on in our organization. They'll torture you, maim you, leave you on the brink of death just to find out about the middlemen. So, Blake, I'm sorry I have to do this, but Scotty... Robotic arms shoot down, removing all extraneous items from the room. Blake feels metal shackles grip his wrists as a large tarp is placed down around our heroes. Suddenly, another pedestal shoots up in front of Scotty, featuring a Ruger 38 Special Revolver. Scotty reaches out to grab it, terrified of what his father was about to say next. Kill your friend. Well, if you've wanted a cliffhanger, motherfucker, you got one. 
Look at that. Got a gun on one of the main characters in the first ten chapters. That's impressive. That's a record. That's record time for me, I think. Uh, yes, this was a very interesting few uh, chapters because it introduces uh, an element of the book that I felt was very important, and that is, of course, the bag that was created by the character named Phil that is able to fulfill all of your dreams, essentially. Your creativity is able to uh, explode. And I, I wanted to include this as a is a tribute, almost as a commentary on what the BS boys do on their podcast, A Load of BS. It is a show about the creativity. It is a show about starting with nothing and building something out of it. And so this bag is a representation of that. You look inside, there's nothing, and then just with your imagination, boom, Taco Bell, which Scotty did demand to put the tacos in there. He very much enjoys those. He wanted it in there. And he also demanded the middleman storyline be woven in. He was a, he saw the movie The Kingsman and demanded something Kingsman-like in this film. So, of course, I thought, well, what if the middleman was this thing to exist? What if uh, these gods and demons are... What if there's a, an Earth-based an Earth-based organization that helps put them back in place? And, of course, you learn more about the middleman as the book goes on, but I really did enjoy them is uh, it was one of those things that I didn't initially like. I thought I'm just kind of shoehorning this in, but then it really took on a life of its own. It really helped flesh out the book. I enjoyed the middleman uh, very much. Also, you do get introduced to the character of Phil in these chapters, and I, I, I listening back to it, I think I could have done something a little different with Phil because I very much wanted him. To be that gentle giant, is that man who is very much. I, I mean, I even say it in the book. He is a he's a soft spoken man. He's very gentle. He just wants his family back. He is a man who loves his family. But I I do enjoy seeing what can happen when this gentle giant goes bad, as evidenced when he leaves that poor man's head splattered across the road. It's showing that yes, he is a, a gentle soul, but he. Can can also be a dangerous entity, and that is proving why the BS are right in running away from them. Uh, that was uh, an important element. I also thought it was an important element, at least in the early going, to continue having them record the podcast, continue these episodes of a load of BS going on. That way, it's almost it ties everything in. It, it lets them speak their minds as a character about what's going on, and it gives a, a different angle on it. So I did enjoy that as almost a commentary technique is to have them recording a podcast throughout the whole thing. And then, of course, who can forget that epic reveal with the moonshine at the end of uh, the end of chapter nine, where you think, oh, the moonshine is a lever. Oh, no, it's not a lever. It's just moonshine. Oh, wait, it is. It's a key code. Look at that. It's a it's a double turn, if you will. It is. It isn't. It is. It isn't. I play with your minds. That's the kind of person I am. Uh, but of course, next week, we'll find out more about the middlemen. We'll find out if Blake gets shot in the face by his best friend. There are a lot of ordeals to go on. But until then, remember to support the BS Book Club. Donate to Patreon. 
patreon.com slash a road of BS. Of course, Scotty already said it in the book. He demanded I put a plug in a, a book. He wanted a novel to feature a plug for his Patreon because that's the kind of man he is. And then, of course, you can pick up their merch at merch.alordofpurebs.com. Subscribe, uh, go to a lot of purebs.com to find out all of the other programs, including the real version of a lot of BS, if you would like to listen to that. But yes, once again, I don't really get any kickback from this, so you are supporting the BS. I know it's a tough time right now, so it does feel a little bit sketchy to be asking you for your support and your money. I don't know why these boys are still asking for it in these hard times. Everyone's hey, falling on hey, hard times. Stop I don't, it. No, don't no quit I, doing I wasn't this. saying Look, anything. The people want to give us money, okay? No, I'm, I'm sorry. You don't know. I'm sorry. You don't know. They could have like thousands of dollars saved up and just a little bit to the BS, a little bit to patreon.com slash a load of BS. That's all that matters. Look, God, I gotta fire this guy one of these days. God. See y'all next week.